You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 193, Puppets. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is Friday the 13th, and I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about puppets. But before we get started talking about puppets, I've got to transfer my notes over from my brand new, just assembled Ultimate 64. So while I'm transferring those notes over, that'll give us a few minutes to talk during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, so to take my mind off of things last week, one of the things, or uh, earlier this week, one of the things I did was uh, I uploaded another Sprite Castle Plays video. Now, this is a You Don't Know Flack week, so I'm not playing a Commodore game. And I kind of got into this weird thing where, you know, if I upload a game that I've already reviewed on Sprite Castle, that's kind of fun, but uh, people get confused whether or not uh, I'm reviewing it that week. And uh, if I do a game that I haven't reviewed on Sprite Castle, then when I do do Sprite Castle, I won't have a video to do that week. So I thought I would try something different this week, and I uploaded a video of the game Rogue, which was originally released by Epics back in 1985 for the PC, but it's older than that. It was a game that uh, began life on uh, mainframes and then was ported to Unix and then finally came to DOS. I know that I, the version that I used to play was released in 1984. Now, uh, two weeks ago, Rogue was released, the Epics released, uh, or the Epics branded version was released uh, on Steam for $3, $2.99. And so I picked it up on Steam and, you know, it's a game that, it's a DOS executable, but it won't run, of course, on modern uh, 64-bit operating systems. So to play it, you have to load lo- uh, DOSBox, and sometimes the key mapping doesn't work for me and all these things. So $3 is really a cheap price to pay uh, for the convenience of, of having it work, you know. And so uh, that's what I did. Now, I screwed up the video a little bit. I accidentally uh, shifted the camera view away from the game for a while over to a static website. And I ended up editing that part out so the game does jump. But even with that part edited out, it's still over an hour long. So if you want to go check out, uh, if you want to find out more, I know a lot of people are familiar with roguelike games, and this is the original. This is Rogue. So if you want to see what Rogue looked like, uh, go check that out. And uh, I'd love some feedback, uh, you know, if you like. Now, Sprite Castle is always going to be a Commodore 64 podcast. That's That's what that show is. But... Uh, I kind of enjoyed playing something a little bit different on that video stream. And so if you like that idea or don't like it, um, let me know. I'd love to have some feedback on that. But I did have a good time playing Rogue. Uh, I have Rogue, like I said, on my PC. I have a, a icon right here now. And many times during the day, uh, several times I would say, I will double-click that icon, play one or two quick games of Rogue, get frustrated, <laughs> and then close it right out. 
what else have I been doing? I've been doing some 3D printing this week. I needed a, I have several uh, masks, COVID masks for going out and I could never seem to find them. Sometimes they're near my wallet and keys. Sometimes I leave them in the car. Sometimes they're on the counter. I wanted a place to to put them all in one place. And so I went online and I found a, um, just a, a, like a C shaped hook basically that will hook onto a, a shelf and hang underneath. And I thought that looked like a pretty good design. And so I did that. I printed that out. And then my wife saw me printing that out and my son has a unicycle and she asked if I could print a hook uh, to hang his unicycle up in the garage. And so I, I went online, I found a model for a bicycle hook, and I just printed one. I didn't need two because it's a unicycle, and I printed one. Uh, that print is the biggest print that I've done to date. It took nine hours to print, and I figured up the math, and it's just under $2 worth of filament. Now, I've already checked Amazon, and if you buy a package of bicycle hooks, they're cheaper than $2 each. So that was a situation where it didn't uh, really make sense for me to 3D print the hook, but it's kind of fun to do. And I, I wanted to print, I haven't printed anything that ran for um, more than three or four hours. This ran for, like I said, just over nine hours. So that was good practice. I enjoyed it and everything uh, worked out fine. So I think tomorrow I will be mounting a unicycle to the garage wall. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of loading time, I did get my ultimate 64 finally hooked up. Now I've had a ultimate 64 this Christmas. It will have been two years ago that I received my ultimate 64. I ordered one. And right after that is when we moved to the new house. And so I never even opened the box. I put it in the closet. I moved it to the new house. It's been sitting in the closet waiting for all these other projects to get finished. And all the other projects are basically finished. So I, uh, Got the Ultimate 64 out of the closet. I got a spare case that I bought. I, I opted in on the Kickstarter uh, way back when, when the, they were doing the Commodore 64C cases. I got a, a set of those cases, and so I used a clear case. And I used a clear monitor. I finally got to use my clear monitor. I have two different uh, see-through, I guess, monitors that... Um, Basically, a see-through monitor like that or a clear monitor is intended for use inside of um, U.S. prisons. And uh, the reason for that is so that prisoners can't hide contraband, whether it's weapons or drugs or something else, inside the television. So uh, it, it's a whole racket. It's a, uh, I could do a whole well, – maybe not a whole podcast, but it, it is a racket because these expenses – these uh, televisions are super expensive. I looked online, and uh, this television is almost $200 on Amazon, and it is a 15-inch HDMI uh, TV, which anywhere – I mean, it's worth $20, you know, I mean, for if it weren't weren't clear. Um, but online, it's, it's uh, $200, and people buy these – um, you know, if someone, unfortunately you have a loved one who ends up in, uh, in prison and they can't afford it because they're making, doing these jobs, they're not making any money in prison. So a family member basically transfers them money and they buy these super expensive televisions, uh, because they have to buy it from whoever the prison says you could buy it from. And then when people leave prison, I mean, that TV is not worth anything outside of prison. Who wants a 15 inch 
see-through television in their house, you know. So normally it just gets gifted to another prisoner and it stays in prison until it gets broken. So, um, But I have found two of these prisons, one or <laughs> two of these prisons, I found two of these televisions. Uh, one is a CRT and one is a flat screen HDMI, which is what I have hooked up to the Ultimate 64 right now. But it's a clear case and I on the Commodore I have a clear case, so... It works out pretty good. It looks cool. So um, I, I uh, kind of like the look. In fact, I've been looking online at clear speakers, and I ordered a clear joystick. So that'll be the whole motif for the Ultimate 64. I've been having fun playing with that. I have multiple Commodore 64s hooked up here in the room. You know, I have a, uh, actually I have my real Commodore 64 sitting on a desk across on the other side of the room. I have the BMC 64 build that uh, someone recommended to me and I, and I set that up and that's been a really great experience. I really, uh, you know, love doing that. Uh, and I have on order the C64, although the order has been delayed. So I just got a notification from Amazon. I signed up for the pre-order the day that they mentioned it, which I believe was August 27th. And I just got notified on the 5th, which was uh, supposed to be the ship day on November 5th that was supposed to ship. And I got a notification from Amazon telling me the product has been delayed. So probably should have ordered one from the UK like a lot of other people. But I was really hoping that the US one might have, uh, uh, you know, different marketing or different uh, BIOS or whatever, even though they, they pretty much keep the BIOS the same uh, no matter what your region is. So. So that has been delayed. And obviously now I don't even know that I'll open it. You know, I've got the ultimate 64 sitting here. So I don't, I don't know that, uh, I would open a, you know, I, I don't think the, the emulation inside the 64 is necessarily bad. Uh, but I know that it doesn't stand up to an FPGA. So I don't know if I'll open that or not. I also hooked up my old record player this week. Now I do not have a fancy record player. In fact, I have a pretty cheap, uh, stereo turntable. It's actually, I think it's, I think this one was made by Ion. Uh, I have another one. I have a Sony one somewhere too, but, um, the, the selling point of this when it first came out was that it has not only RCA outputs, but it also has USB outputs and you can hook it up to your PC through the USB. And that's what I've always done because I, I like to buy these old records that are not available on cassette or CD and I transfer them over to the computer and save them as MP3s. And, uh, I probably, I have less than a hundred records. Um, I'm probably somewhere between 80 and a hundred records. Um, but again, all of them, I think are things that are not available on CD or for the most part are not available on CD. I have some, uh, comedy albums and I definitely have some Halloween albums, three or four Halloween albums that I had, uh, as a kid, obviously things that I had as a kid, you know, I'm a nostalgic person and, and anything that I had as a kid, you know, kind of triggers me. So I have a lot of children's albums. I have a lot of Sesame street, uh, albums and, and, um, uh, you know, things like that. I also, and Disney, a lot of Disney albums like, um, you know, um, uh, disco, what is it? Disco mouse or what disco Mickey, whatever it is. Um, you know, a few things like that. Um, so yeah, I also, I have a, the, Breaking and Beat Street, <laughs> the, uh, the breakdancing soundtracks that I listened to as a kid. So I'm pretty sure those are, I know those are available on CD because I have them on CD as well. But, um, yeah, so I have a few things like that. And, um, uh, you know, what has been great is that uh, while I have been uh, looking for records, I have been getting, uh, offers 
from all these people that, you know, they just have their old record collection and, uh, that, you know, they're telling me basically that they'll send me their records for free. I know this week, I mean, just this week alone, I got contacted by, uh, Mitsuyama, uh, Ant Page, uh, Steve Sharippa, Mr. Bundy, Paul Davies, Stephen Burt, Mike McLaughlin, Gary Heather, Darren Folds, Rydar Bow and his son Christopher, Armadin Restel, Olaf Hope, David Hearns, John Schaller, Eric Strianese, Matt Nicholson, Dave Zilli. I mean, this is a lot of people that are going to be sending me records. I also got emails from Steve Rasmussen, Patrick Markey, Chris Folds, Garrett Allier, Graham Vovke, Rick Reynolds, Scott Lambert. What am I going to do with all these records? This is an unbelievable amount of records. Uh, and finally, I got emails from John Morrison, Mark Alley, Jake Notamaker, and Cobra Kai. I mean, this is going to be an insane amount of records that's going to add to my collection. Of course, these people did not all offer me uh, records from their collection. What they did offer me was their support through Patreon. So if you want to find out what's going on over on Patreon, there's all kinds of behind-the-scenes posts and information and, and uh, conversations, fun stuff going on. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara, and you can find out about the different support tiers that we have set up. And if you don't want to support the show through Patreon, that's great. A couple other things you could do is share uh, links to the posts or to the shows on social media. And you can also like and review the show on iTunes. If you have any feedback about this or any episode of you don't know flag, you can always email me directly at Rob O'Hara, Rob O'Hara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Man, I haven't been paying attention. The notes on this uh, Ultimate 64 transferred over lickety-split from that little USB thing. So I've got all my notes loaded up here, so let's get started talking about this week's topic, which is puppets. Now, before I start talking about puppets, I do want to give credit where credit is due. I recently listened to a podcast hosted by the Grown Up 80s, which is a podcast hosted by uh, one of my supporters, Darren Folds, and then also uh, Robin Harbron. And uh, Darren and Robin were talking about things that they uh, were fascinated by when they were kids growing up. And one of the things uh, that uh, I, I sent the guys an email after their episode, and we've been talking back and forth, and one of the topics that came up was uh, puppets. And I know Darren is a big fan of the Muppets. And it really got me thinking about uh, my relationship with puppets as a kid. And that was really the seed uh, that uh, made me choose the topic for this week's episode. So, uh, again, you know, if uh, you're not subscribed to or listening to uh, Growing Up 80s, you should definitely uh, check out their podcast. So, at the very beginning, I mean, as a kid, I think my earliest memory of puppets or exposure to puppets would have been through Sesame Street. You know, uh, Sesame Street is where we first met Bert and Ernie and Grover and, and Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch and, and all the famous you know, Kermit the Frog, uh, all these famous puppets, you know. And so that's probably, I mean, that's the, uh, the earliest memory I have uh, of puppets. Now, I wasn't a huge 
fan of Sesame Street. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess I was. I mean, I watched Sesame Street. I remember being excited about watching Sesame Street. And I remember being excited about getting the Sesame Street magazine. Uh, not regularly, but occasionally in a grocery store, my mom would buy me that. I even had this um, hardback set of, um, I guess they're they're not really encyclopedias, but it was a, a hardback set of books that were all featured Sesame street characters and, and had stories and things like that. in it. And I, I had that whole set as a kid. So, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed Sesame street and, and maybe it was my mom, probably my mom who noticed that I enjoyed Sesame street and I enjoyed these puppets. And, um, she bought me my first puppet. It was this little weird looking puppet. He was all, uh, brown, like light and dark brown and fluffy. He had little red feet hanging off the bottom and he had this giant red nose. And, um, my, uh, grandpa used to always call my nose. He would always say, you know, Hey, you need to wipe your schnoz or whatever. And so I, I think that's where this came from. We ended up calling this puppet schnozzle bonker. I don't think he had an official name. I think it was probably a, a cheap knockoff puppet, you know, from, a. I don't know, from a toy store or something like that, but that was schnozzle bonkered. So that was my first uh, little puppet. And I would, you know, carry him around like little kids do. I mean, this is very innocent, you know, just a little kid has a puppet with a lot of other toys and things like that, you know, but uh, my mom was a big fan of garage sales and she was always going to garage sales. She would go with my grandma and I would go sometimes. Uh, and I got lots and lots of stuff from garage sales over the year. And at some point she found me a cookie monster puppet and also a Bert. Now I never had Ernie, but I definitely had Bert. Uh, in fact, I think I had two Berts <laughs> at some point. In time. I know I had two cookie monsters, uh, because one of them, the, uh, black paint off the eyes had worn off. And so they were just these big giant uh, ping pong balls stuck to the top of it. And I had to draw, I drew in the, the black part of the eyes with a marker that didn't look very good. Uh, but the cookie monster puppet was, was fun because the uh, inside of his mouth, the, uh, I don't know what it was like cardboard or whatever that was in there was slit in the middle. So you can make cookie monster eat things. So you could put a cookie or a, a pencil or whatever, and it would just slide through the mouth and then fall out the bottom. So that was a fun thing about the cookie monster puppet. The burnt puppet was weird because he was supposed to have this little piece of hair on top of his head and eyebrows. But when I got it, someone had already ripped off the hair and ripped off the eyebrows. So he looked kind of funky he had these giant, uh, you know, these big staring eyes with no eyebrows. And I know at one point um, I used a piece of black electrical tape and made eyebrows <laughs> for Bert. So I may not have had high quality puppets as a kid, you know, but I, but I had this little tiny collection of puppets, three or four different puppets, you know. And then um, when I was five years old, the Muppet movie came out. Now that movie really um, affected me. I mean, it really made an impression on me. The characters in that movie were so alive that you were worried about, you know, is Kermit going to make it to Hollywood? Are all these people going to make it to Hollywood? Is Kermit going to uh, end up, you know, dating Miss Piggy? Like you're, you're worried about the outcome of all these characters uh, but you forget, or at least I did, 
that they were puppets. You know, they had they were just like tiny little actors. And I got to tell you this: there are multiple lines from the original Muppet movie uh, that uh, I still use today. I mean, I have walked into a room and looked at my wife and said, "They don't look like Presbyterians to me." <laughs> Which is a line from that movie that uh, Fozzie says it. And then uh, Dr. Teeth, when he's reading the script of the movie back to Fozzie, <laughs> he also says it. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so there are there are definitely lines in that movie that I quote uh, to this day. I, I absolutely love that movie. And, uh, you know, without turning this into a, a Muppet movie podcast, it had a great soundtrack. I mean, you have the Rainbow Connection, and then you have Moving Right Along. You have uh, a hope that something better comes along. And I had the, you know, I had the record as a kid. I had the whole album. I still have the album. Uh, I have uh, Moving Right Along, uh, Rainbow Connection, and I hope that something better comes along on my phone. So every now and then I'll be driving, and my phone is has the craziest music collection. I mean, I can literally have death metal playing or something on random. And then the next song that comes up is the rainbow connection. <laughs> so my, my random play on my phone is pretty random. Uh, but I loved the soundtrack. I loved the movie. Um, I didn't, I don't think that I understood, uh, all the cameos. I know there are a lot of people. I know Richard Pryor was in it. I know there's, um, all these different people that, uh, uh and Madeline Kahn, I think is in it. Um, all these different, uh, uh, cameos, but I mean, when you're a kid and you don't know who those people are, it just seems like, oh, they've mixed, you know, adults and puppets here. But um, also in that movie, one of the people that makes a cameo appearance is Edgar Bergen and his ventriloquist doll, Charlie McCarthy. And this was, I'm pretty sure, the first time I was really exposed to ventriloquism. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I liked puppets as a kid, but the ventriloquism thing seemed really uh, fun to me. And so uh, that year for Christmas, um, I got a ventriloquism doll. I got my own Charlie McCarthy doll. Now, I always wanted a professional quality ventriloquist doll, like the one where you, you put your hand inside and there's a... a you know, a stick coming down and their mouth is run by a trigger and you can move their eyes and maybe do their eyebrows or things like that. This was not one of those. This was one where you just pulled the string on the back and now you see them in, uh, you know, every now and then I'll see one at a thrift store or something and they, either the the string has been pulled out or even worse is that the jaw has fallen off or missing, which is a very creepy look. Um, but I, it came with this little pamphlet that was like how to learn ventriloquism and it said you know all these little tips like i thought i was really on the inside it was like instead of saying uh th say the letter v and you'd be like v v v you know <laughs> why am i doing ventriloquism you can't see my lips it's stupid um but uh so i had my little charlie mccarthy uh doll and i had that uh for a long time uh, and I never, I don't think ever once did I ever do ventriloquism in front of anybody else. Like I never, I didn't do it at the talent show. I didn't do it at, uh, you know, I don't even think I did anything in, with, you know, in front of my parents or anything, but, uh, but it was a fun thing. I, I do remember, you know, playing around with the old Charlie McCarthy and, and, uh, you know, practicing my ventriloquism. 
Now, I think it was maybe that same year for Christmas, uh, possibly the next year, but I, I think it was that same year that I got um, a Mr. Microphone and my sister got the puppet of Animal from The Muppet Show. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with Mr. Microphone, Mr. Microphone was a really cool toy. It was a, uh, a microphone that broadcast uh, to a specific uh, frequency on AM radio. So if you had an AM radio, you could uh, tune in, and then you could basically, you are singing on the radio. So it was like kind of karaoke, like a very, but there's no music <laughs> playing, you know. Uh, but it was an early kind of version of, of karaoke where you could broadcast your voice. Um, and that was totally up my alley, but my sister loved that Mr. Microphone and I really loved puppets. And so, uh, I don't, I think, uh, we ended up, I don't remember if it was official or just kind of happened, but we traded presents. Uh, I ended up with the animal puppet. She ended up with the, uh, Mr. Microphone. So she would play with Mr. Microphone all the time. And I would, would play with the, um, animal puppet. In fact, I, um, I found out it, it's, he it doesn't quite stand, uh, fully, but I would take a two liter bottle. Like my parents always drank, um, diet Coke, like in those big two liter or three liter bottles. And, uh, it, you could take that and stand it up. Like I could stand it on a desk and then kind of set animal on top of it. And uh, it, it didn't look quite right, but you know, it kind of looked like he was just standing there. And so I would just keep him on my shelf and stuff. Um, now, I got to tell you this funny story. Uh, so now, you know, I'm kind of building up this little collection of puppets and, and I would play, you know, with puppets and stuff like that. Uh, now in first grade, starting in first grade, my school had these fundraisers and you would have to, they would give you something and you had to sell X amount of whatever, you know, uh, in first grade, I remember it was for, um, do you remember what a weeple do you remember? And I had to look up the name of this. A weeple was those little tiny, um, like a fluffy pom-pom kind of shaped thing with uh, googly eyes and then uh, feet on the bottom that were like a sticker and you'd stick them to the top of your monitor or something like that. Uh, and, and you know, the, the actual weeple, the body was like, eh, you know, size of a quarter, maybe a little bit bigger than that. Uh, but if uh, you sold so much of whatever it was that year, you got a super giant <laughs> Weeple. I mean, it's like the size of a soccer ball, you know, and uh, I don't remember what we sold that year, but whatever it was, I sold enough of it and uh, I got this giant Weeple, uh, you know, and it was yellow and he had blue feet and blue antenna and these big googly eyes or whatever. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I, the boy, the, the, the reason I'm telling you that what happened in first grade is because it let me know that this was a legitimate thing. If you sold X amount of whatever, you got the prize, you know, and then if you, you know, hit whatever your levels were, then you got to pick what you wanted, you know, as a, as a reward or whatever. So in second grade, uh, the fundraiser was selling cheese and it was <laughs> these like, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, not a block of cheese. It's almost like a log of cheese. I remember it came wrapped in like a, red wax kind of thing. It was like kind of round on the end, you know, it almost looked like a giant firecracker. Uh, and, and they came in and they said, you know, Oh, you know, if you sell, uh, this many, you know, if you only sell one case of cheese, you only get this stupid little thing. You get some Chinese, you know, finger, what do they call that? The Chinese handcuffs where you put your finger. Like it was like little gimmicky kind of toys like that. But, but, um, 
uh, you know, if you sold more and more. And then this lady came in and she had basically resting on her hip a giant monkey and the, its arms were wrapped all the way around her shoulder and its legs were hanging down. And I was like, what is that? Well, it was a puppet. It was this big furry puppet and it was white, you know? And, um, she was like, if you sell, and I don't remember what it was, but it was something like, you know, four cases of cheese, you could get this giant monkey puppet. And I was like, oh, and then you had to sign up. You had to basically say like, how much cheese are you committing to sell? And I was like, four cases. <laughs> and I mean, it was so much that I couldn't carry it home. Like they had to call my mom and be like, hey, you got to come pick up all this cheese. <laughs> Your kid's going to sell. Uh, it doesn't seem very responsible. They would let the child decide that, but that's, that was what happened, you know? And so, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Hardware Wars. Hardware Wars was a, a parody of Star Wars. And in the late seventies and early 1980s, uh, HBO showed it, uh, like multiple times a day. I mean, it's only like 15 minutes long or something. And, and, uh, it's, it's a parody of Star Wars. The guy that plays Han Solo, his name is Ham Salad and, and, um, instead of Chewbacca, it's Chuchilla the Wookiee Monster. And, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is Augie Ben Doggy. But the thing, the Chewbacca is this puppet. Now it's, it's not the same as this monkey puppet. In fact, it looks like, um, Cookie Monster, except for he's brown. I mean, it looks exactly like Cookie Monster. Um, but I was like, man, that white puppet, like maybe somehow I could paint it. Or something and it would be like a Chewbacca puppet. So I was all in. I got, you know, I signed up for all this cheese and yeah, I mean, my parents were not happy. I remember my parents were not happy and <laughs> they had, they would like drive me. And the thing was, is that I don't, I don't remember why, but I got my cheese later than other people. So I, you know, I went around the neighborhood and I'm going door to door. Like, would you like to buy some cheese? And <laughs> And they're like, now nah, I already bought some because there's like, you know, 20 kids in this neighborhood that are all selling cheese. And I was like, you know, later than everyone else. So, I mean, I think my mom took cheese to work. My dad took cheese. to. I mean, it was it was a really, you know, like they were not happy. They, I, I remember they were not happy about this whole thing. But uh, I got I sold enough cheese and I got that puppet. And um, I was so excited. And I remember I would. Put it because it like it sat like on your right hand side. If you're right handed, it would hang off your right hand side, and you would put your hand up uh, and then control the head and make it look around. But the the arms were really long and the legs were really long, and they had Velcro on them. So you'd wrap the arms and legs around you and uh, connect them with Velcro, so it looked like the monkey was just hanging off you, you know. And it was really cool. But the only thing was, you know, it was white, and I really wanted a brown one, you know. So the next year in third grade, they come back with more cheese and the lady comes and she's got a brown one. <laughs> and I was like, sign me up for four more cases. I'll sell all the cheese. And man, my parents were really, really mad that year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at some point, because I remember we, not I'm not saying we ate cheese like we could afford to eat anything else, but I'm pretty sure my dad bought like a case of that cheese. <laughs> 
<laughs> and just we put it out in the freezer so they wouldn't have to take it to their work again and try to sell all this cheese that I'd signed up. But let me tell you what, at the end of that whole thing, I got me a brown monkey puppet, went right next to my white monkey puppet. I had two monkey puppets. <laughs> and also probably a sore butt from getting whooped from my parents. <laughs> <laughs> and also I had yellow teeth from eating cheese. <laughs> oh, geez. So, you know, um, <laughs> the, uh, around the same time, uh, the second Muppet movie came out, the great Muppet caper. And, you know, I was a little older and I feel like I got more of the jokes, um, you know, it, there, <laughs> there's a joke in that movie where, um, the, uh, the old guy's running a hotel, the happiness hotel, and he's asking how, uh, the Muppets, Kermit and Fozzie and everyone is going to pay for their room. And uh, he says, you know, number one, you can pay by credit or something. Number two is cash, whatever. But then he says, option C, sneak out in the middle of the night. And Kermit says, we'll take C. And he goes, very popular choice. <laughs> I say that at least once a week. I mean, and my wife says it all the time too, uh, because I made her watch that movie 18 million times. Uh, but also because I've said that phrase so many times though, I can't tell you how many times, like we've gone into a restaurant, you know, and I'll say, I'll have the nachos or something. And my wife will go very popular choice. So, um, but the other thing about this movie is it's even more so, um, scene set up like at the beginning the Muppets are driving cars and they they uh they're sitting on benches and they're doing all these things that that you just wonder you know the first movie had some of those scenes the first movie had uh all the Muppets riding bicycles which is an amazing scene if you go back and look at it and and see that it's all practical you know I mean they obviously had um you know some sort of uh pulley system overhead with strings and stuff holding these up but uh, you know, just watching it and the work that must have went into it, it's really amazing. And so it's the same thing for the second movie. You know, I mean, there's just all these things like Miss Piggy riding a motorcycle and, and crazy things happening, you know. Uh, so that kind of inspired me to like start setting up uh, these puppet shows in my room. Now, this kind of sounds kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, I was a little kid. But, um, like my friend's parents, the Will Rass would come over. And so the, their parents, you know, would come over and, and visit with my parents, but the Will Rass had three kids I had my buddy, Andy, and then Matt was the middle brother and, and, uh, Allison was the, the youngest of the three. So when they came over and especially if my sister had somebody over, all of a sudden we had like six people, like we had a lot of people, you know, and we could do these little puppet things. So. Uh, I remember early on we would write, like we would get jokes out of joke books. And so we would set up a scene and we'd be like, okay, I, you know, I'll be this guy. You'd be this guy. And we'd write up a little script. And then when we were all ready, somebody would go out in the living room and tell the parents like, okay, come in and watch our skit. And then the parents would come in and stand in the hallway outside my bedroom. And we would tell our two or three jokes and then they would go, yay, And they would clap and they would leave, you know? Uh, and then we would do it again and they would be like, no, nope, sorry. One show per visit. <laughs> We're not going to keep coming in there and doing that. Um, but um, uh, over time, these shows got like, I don't know, more advanced, you know, like we would set up these, uh, I had these bar stools 
And uh, I throw a blanket over the two bar stools. Of course, you had to put like a couple of books on each side to hold the blanket. But now you had this big sheet, and the puppets could be behind that, you know, that sort of thing. And and my mom had one of those uh, cardboard. Um, it was a big cardboard fold-out thing. I think it's used for sewing or cutting material or something. Uh, I used it later for break dancing. <laughs> I used it for doing the backspin on it, but, uh, uh, you know, it folded out. And so we would use that as a little wall divider and put and make puppets behind there. Um, and then what we started doing, because this was, you know, right around the birth of MTV and, and we were all, all of us were, were hooked on MTV and watching MTV videos and stuff. And so we came up with this idea where we were going to start making, uh, music videos, uh, but we weren't going to film them, but we would, you know, basically choreograph a video. So we would get one person to be in the back to be the drummer. You know, of course, that person always got the animal puppet. And, uh, you know, we would set up pillows to make it look like drums. And, um, you know, if uh, uh, my sister or her friend, we would let them be backup singers. <laughs> they would get puppets and they would be backup singers. Um, and I had this whole elaborate thing where... Of course, I you know I watched the Muppet Show. The Muppet Show was on TV every day after school. We got home, we watched the Muppet Show, and their puppets could move their arms because they had these you know metal you know sticks attached to them. And uh, so I made my own out of coat hangers. I pulled all the coat hangers out of my closet and unbent them and straightened them out and attached them to the puppet's hands with rubber bands. And uh, I propped up my, I had a, a cheap acoustic guitar. And so, if you know, if I did all this stuff right, I could move this little stick and it made it look like he was strumming the guitar and I could sing, you know. And so we would we would get a record and somebody would, you know, put the record on and, and you know somebody had to go get the parents hey come in we're gonna do a, a music show you know and and so i remember one time i had this thing all set up and it was to uh the rainbow connection and so i had the record ready to go and the parents and you know you had to sit there and then once the parents came in you had everybody had to hide you know you had to get under a blanket or behind a wall or or whatever you were doing because you know it wouldn't look like a puppet show if you were your face was hanging out so we all got in our little spots and I was using this puppet and I had his, his little, his, it was, um, it might've been one of the monkey puppets, but he had these long arms and I, you know, I had the, um, the little rods hooked up to the arms so I could strum and the position I was laying in was so uncomfortable. Like I was laying on my stomach, but I was holding my hand up over my head and the other hand was, was strumming this guitar. And I mean, my shoulder was cramping. It was so bad. And I remember that when we were done with the whole performance, we, you know, everybody put down their, you know, the song ended and uh, we all stood up out of our little hiding spots and there were no parents there. <laughs> they had left a long time ago. <laughs> And we had been performing to nobody. <laughs> I'm sure they stood there for 30 seconds. But I got to think, like, if my kids were like, hey, we're going to do a puppet show and it's five minutes long, I'd probably sneak out too. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, so, yeah. So we did do that. We we would set up little music performances of the, the puppets and things like that, um, which was easier than, than writing skits. But it was still, uh, uh, you know, something fun to do. Now, I remember in 1980, uh, I saw 
one of the greatest films of my life, which was The Empire Strikes Back. And The Empire Strikes Back featured a new character named Yoda, who was a puppet. And I had this show, there was a show that aired on television called uh, SPFX, which is now, I think it's an extra on some of the releases of Star Wars. But SPFX was all about special effects. It was how they made The Empire Strikes Back. And they showed, um, you know, how they did the stop motion of the Tauntauns and how they did blue screen for different scenes and things like that. It was really cool. But they also showed the creation of Yoda. They showed how they, you know, the designs, the early designs, and they showed them creating the sculpt that would eventually become Yoda's head and the, the little, um, you know, mechanics that would make him blink and do different things. And it was so fascinating to me, you know, and I really wanted a more advanced puppet than what I had. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm watching Yoda on the big screen and, and how he looked lifelike. He was interacting with things. It looked like a real character, you know, and then I come home and I have schnozzle bonker. <laughs> that did not look real. It didn't look like Yoda or anything that was real, you know. Um, but, but that Yoda puppet, man, was really fascinating to me. And again, all this stuff is taking place. I mean, 1980, I was born in 1973. So I was seven years old or almost seven, um, when the empire strikes back came out. So it was all that, that era where it's just, um, you know, you just think everything is amazing. You know, as you're learning about uh, the world now, movies are made and things like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, right in 1982, which would have been a couple of years later, my family went to the World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, this was a big, huge deal, and I will probably do an entire show about the World's Fair at some point. Uh, but we went there, and my aunt and uncle met us there. And, um, you know, this was like, I mean, there was a point where they were like, oh, there's only a World's Fair like every 10 years or every so many years or whatever. So this was like a, a big event, you know, and it was a, uh, a lot of money, you know, my parents, um, we had to pay for a hotel for the whole week. And, and, um, my dad actually bought a van to get us to the world's fair because he was going to rent a van and it was going to be cheaper to buy this van and then sell it, you know? So, I mean, so it was a, it was a big deal for our family. It was a big deal for my parents, you know? I mean, this is like one of the biggest vacations I remember in my childhood. And, um, so my aunt and my uncle, they did not have any kids and they had a little bit more disposable income than we did. And, uh, at the end of the fair, they told us we could pick anything, you know, on this last day and they would buy it for us, uh, as a souvenir. And I remember we saw this puppet show that was inside, you know, like a, like one of those wagon type shows, you know, and they were selling puppets. And I was like, Oh, I want one of those puppets. And these puppets were like, the professional, I, don't know, I mean, like Muppet quality puppets, you know, I mean, it had a big giant head uh, and it had foam inside the head and it had, a, you know, hair sewn on and, and googly eyes and he had a felt tongue inside his mouth and um, it came with the metal rods that connected to his hands to c control and the body had, um, uh, oh, like foam around it to give him, you know, so it wasn't just like felt or whatever it had a little bit of of shape to it and i was like oh i want that puppet i in my defense i will say number one i don't i mean i, I don't really remember this um i vaguely remember it i couldn't possibly have known how much that puppet cost um and, and of course i didn't have any concept of money i don't think at that age uh, but i 
found out that the puppet was a hundred dollars, and uh, which of course in 1982 would have been you know I mean significantly more money back then. And my aunt and uncle were like, "Yep," and they bought it. And I, uh, I don't think my parents were thrilled. Uh, I don't know if they were upset at me for choosing something that was so expensive, or for them for buying me something that was so expensive. I don't really know, but I can tell you this: when I got home, I was one happy kid. There are pictures of me, uh, you know, of our whole family standing on the front porch after the the World's Fair, and we're wearing World's Fair shirts and World's Fair hats and holding World's Fair pennants and all these things, and I've got this giant puppet, and I've got a, a grin from ear to ear. I mean, it was something, you know, and, um, uh, you know, he was, he was just, um, uh, had like, I mean, it just looked like a normal person, you know what I mean? And he had blonde hair uh, that was sewn on. And so I had a, my buddy Andy, uh, who I mentioned that, that came over, he, it looked just like him. And he had blonde hair. And I was like, well, I think the puppet's name is Andy. And what was funny is I had a different friend who was also fair-skinned with blonde hair. And his name was also Andy. And so I told both of them it was named after them. <laughs> A little double dipping on the uh, puppet naming scheme going on there. Uh, but I had, you know, this puppet and this was like, like a, I can't, I can't really understate how, what good quality this thing was, you know? And, uh, this was right around the time that my mom got, uh, or that our family, I should say, got uh, a color camera to go with our VCR. Now we had had a black and white camera for a long time, but this was a 82, 83, something like that. And we got a color camera to go with our VCR. And so I started making these little puppet shows for the camera, you know, and I could go set up the camera. And I remember there was one, uh, one of these puppet shows where I used that Andy puppet, you know, and then my sister had a wig that was from a little orphan Annie thing. And then I put the wig on the puppet and I came back and I was like, now I'm somebody else, you know, and then, uh, and then I took the puppet and I put a motorcycle helmet on it. We had a motorcycle helmet that I got from a garage sale or something and put the motorcycle helmet on it. And I was like, now I'm a motorcycle guy, you know, and so I would do all these characters uh, with this puppet. And I also, at that same time with uh, that Andy puppet, uh, I, he, it was, uh, I mean, it wasn't huge, but it was big enough that you could put like a, a regular hoodie or long sleeve shirt or something over it. And, and, uh, the shoulders were wide enough that the shirt would stay on there. And then you could have put your real hand up into the shirt. And then, it, you know, and then all of a sudden you had a real hand, um, like they would uh, occasionally do, you know, for like, Oh, you know, on the Muppet show where they would, uh, some of the characters would have a real hand, you know, uh, not just a hand stuck on a rod, but you know, one that actually moved and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm set up a few little scenes doing that and stuff. And, um, I still have a few of those tapes and they are uh, unequivocally bad. I mean, I don't think at any of those, I never had a script. I never had a story. I would just be doing characters like, now I'm an old lady. <laughs> now I'm a motorcycle guy. <laughs> And, um, you know, the, the thing about the camera was it was so easy to work. I mean, it was just record or pause is the only button zoom in and zoom out. So you could, I didn't have to have a crew. I just had a tripod, you know, and we would set it up and, and my parents would let me hook up the camera and I'd make my little video and, and then that would be that, you know? Um, so I don't know 
when all this ended, um, you know, maybe it was with Return of the Jedi coming out. I mean, I don't. There wouldn't be anything in that. Um, but definitely by the time, like, I don't know, when I started having friends come over, like more than just you know, like family friends or stuff, but like kids from school that would come over to spend the night. You know, I mean, like definitely. I remember uh, I had some friends come over in, in fifth grade and we did like a, we got the camera out and we filmed some break dancing scenes and some, and us doing karate and stuff like that. Uh, and there's definitely, I can tell you that there was no part. We were not messing around with puppets <laughs> during that time. So, you know, by, I mean, maybe fourth grade was still puppets, but by fifth grade, I mean, that, that whole phase had just, the whole thing had passed. You know, I still enjoyed watching the Muppet show. And uh, even when I was a teenager and Muppet Babies came out on the, the cartoon and stuff, I would always, it was kind of a guilty pleasure, but I would watch the Muppet Babies and stuff. And um, uh, I I don't have a lot of um, Muppet uh, collectible things. I do have a Statler and Waldorf uh, figures that I bought one time because uh my wife says uh, that my buddy Jeff and I resemble Statler and Waldorf, so I have those sitting right here on my desk. Every time I look at them, I think of uh, me and Jeff and all the adventures we've been through. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was like like the puppet thing just kind of came, and then it went cold all of a sudden. And, I mean, the next thing that I could think of that has to do with puppets was 2012. I mean, so that is a huge leap in time. And in 2012, we were getting ready to move. We had been living in a house for a while, and we were had just bought a newer, uh, much larger house. And we were doing some spring cleaning, you know, as we were. Uh, th- that's the the goal, right? Is always to get rid of stuff so there's less to move. And we had uh, we were going through the garage, and there was this bag out there or something, and like a, a hefty trash bag. And I opened it, and there were all my old puppets. There was the brown monkey and the white monkey, and there was the snozzle bunker, and there was, a, you know, just all these random different puppets, you know, and uh, and even the Andy puppet, which was, uh, you know, probably, like I mean, like I said, it, it was just such high quality, uh, and I was looking at those things, and um, this is a, an interesting thing that I've I've thought. I've spent time thinking about this. There are a lot of things from my childhood that I saved to give to my kids, and my kids were not interested in receiving them. Um, I, I'll give you a, an example. Well, one example is puppets, but um, one example is Star Wars. Uh, there was a time where I bought, I spent um, uh, some money on eBay, and I bought this collection of kids' Star Wars stuff. And I gave it to my son, you know, and I was like, man, here's your, the beginning of your Star Wars collection. And I don't remember how long it was, but you know, a few months went by and he came out and he had all that stuff in a box and he gave it back to me. And he was young, man. I mean, he was a little kid, you know, six or seven. And he said, you know, you, you really like Star Wars. So I want you to have this stuff. And that, you know, it was kind of kid's way of saying that he didn't want it and he wanted to give it back to me. Um, but it it hit me at the time. I was like, well, well, why wouldn't he want it? You know, and 
And um, I, I've learned this lesson a few times. I, I did learn it with Legos. And Legos are kind of universal. I mean, you know, you give any little kid, put them down in front of some Legos, and they'll play Legos for a while. But but I loved Legos. I mean, I, I had a big Lego collection. I probably, I mean, I have several, several hundred dollars worth of Legos, which is not doesn't really take that much. I mean, I probably have... Uh, a 20 gallon tub full of Legos. Like I have a lot of Legos left over from my childhood. And I saved those thinking that my kids would love them as much as I did. And they played with them for a little bit, but it just didn't, didn't catch on with them, you know? And that's kind of what I saw with the puppets, you know? I mean, those puppets, uh, it, it sounds cheesy to say, Oh, they were my friends or whatever. And they, and they weren't, I wasn't really that much into it, but, um, but they were things that I enjoyed, man. And I, you know, I enjoyed all those memories of, of setting up those shows and, and setting up my little videos and writing the little scripts and all that stuff that we did with puppets. And I, you know, I think the lesson that I got from that is that you can't pass those memories on to your kids or you can't pass those memories on to the next generation. You know, I mean, if they, you give them puppets and they make great memories or whatever, and then they love it. That's great. But they're never going to pick up on your enjoyment that you had as a child, you know? And that was something that I kind of learned. Um, and I think the puppet thing was really what, what taught me that lesson. And so I took all those, those puppets except for one, and it's probably not the one you're thinking of. And we donated them to my kids' daycare. And I thought, uh, you know what? My kids may see them at the daycare and they may play with them. But even if they don't, uh, I mean, it's kind of a Toy Story moment, right? Where you go, well, uh, they'll be at a place where, uh, you know, other kids and generations. I mean, I don't think these puppets, I've seen that daycare. They're not going to last two years. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Where other kids could come in and they can play with puppets and they'll enjoy the puppets, you know? And like, what good is stuff sitting on a bag in your garage for 20 or 30 years, which is what really happened to those things, you know? Um, you may be thinking that the puppet I pulled out of that bag to save was Andy, but it wasn't. The one that I saved was Animal, uh, the, the, uh, from the Muppet Show. And really it was because. I had a collection of stuffed animals in my movie room that were, um, you know, movie related. I had a stuffed animal uh, gremlin that I found one time. I had a, a stuffed animal smurf, you know, a few things like that that I thought would be fun decorations for the movie room. And so that was why I kept the animal puppet. It wasn't really because it was a puppet, but, uh, you know, just because it kind of represented the Muppets and the Muppet show. But uh, that Andy puppet and Schnozzlebonker and those monkeys and all those other puppets, we, uh, you know, basically sealed up that bag and took it up to the daycare and donated it. So I hope that um, some other kids at that daycare, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I hope I hope that uh, somebody there got some, some use out of it and got some enjoyment. And, uh, uh, I mean, it's like any toy. It, it's better. I mean, the best thing for a toy is to be played with, you know. And so that was uh, that was my hope for that. That pretty much wraps up everything I have to say about puppets. So um, if you have any feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hare at RobOHare.com. You can join the conversation over at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast. 
Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon link, which is at patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. If you don't have time to do that, be sure to share links to the show on social media or like and leave a review on iTunes. That's everything I have to say about puppets. Thanks for hanging in here to the very end, and I will talk to you uh, next week. You had a good mind, you wouldn't be here in the first place. <laughs>